turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The reason there's a conflict down here is because there was once a conflict up there. The reason there is trauma and problems and sickness and suffering and death is because we live on a planet in rebellion against God, a planet that's been separated from God. We're in the midst of this divine drama, in the midst of this cosmic conflict. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives. 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you would like us to pray for you, then keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is our pastor teacher, Mark Finley, with today's Hope Lives 365. Tonight, my topic is, Good God, Bad World, Why? As I travel around the world, people ask me the question, if God is so good, why is the world so bad? If God is a God of love, why do innocent people suffer? Why is it, if God is so good, that innocent people are suffering? Why is it, if God is so good, that there's so much famine and heartache and suffering and disappointment in our world. Tonight, we want to answer that question. We want to answer the question, if God is so good, why indeed the world is so bad? If God is so good, why is there so much war? If God is so good, why do innocent people suffer? You know, as you look out over the world tonight, when there is war, who is it that suffers? It's innocent children who suffer often during war. If God is so good, why is it that there's so much famine in our world? Why is it that there's so much hunger in our world? Doesn't God care for those children? If God is so good, why is it that there are so many car accidents in our world taking innocent people? Not long ago, a Christian young man was driving home from high school, academy. His car was in a terrible car wreck. He was hit by a drunk driver. The young Christian was actually killed, and the drunk driver went away without a scratch. How do you explain that? Why is the Christian young man killed in a car accident? Why is it that the drunk driver went away without a scratch? Where was God in all that? Tonight, I want to take you with me on a journey, a journey to an island called Patmos. And there, as we travel to the island of Patmos, we will discover the answer to the human suffering. We'll discover in this fascinating journey to the island of Patmos just why there is so much suffering, why there is so much heartache, why there is so much death in our world. This is a fascinating journey. Patmos is one of the places that I like to go more than any place else in the world. Patmos is one of my favorite locations. 
Patmos can be reached from either Greece or Turkey. Our trip is going to take about three hours. If you travel from Turkey to Patmos, you don't risk an overnight boat ride like you have from Greece. And you know, on those overnight boat rides from Greece, often the waves are high, you get seasick, you may lose your supper from the night before. But if you are traveling from the country of Turkey, why, it's just about three hours. When you get out to Patmos, Patmos is nine miles long. It's just an absolute, fantastic, beautiful island. Patmos was first a penal colony. It was here that many Roman citizens were exiled in the first century. Patmos was the place or the island that John was placed in exile on. Patmos has a small but very, very magnificent harbor today. In Patmos, there's a city called Scala. It's a very small city, a few hundred people. We're traveling to the island of Patmos because we want to learn the meaning of human suffering. We're traveling to Patmos because we want to learn what really is going on in our world. And there's a cave on Patmos that we're going to visit. And there's a scroll that we're going to study that will help us to discover the meaning of human suffering. The island of Patmos is an island in which John was sent by Domitian, the pagan Roman emperor Domitian. The reason he was sent there is because he would not worship the idols of Rome. In the first century, the Roman government exiled John. This church is built over the very cave where John purportedly had the vision of the book of Revelation. The fresca is one of John commemorating his exile or his imprisonment here on the island of Patmos in the time that he had the vision in that cave. The aged apostle John was sent to this rocky, barren outcrop. It's quite a lonely place after you get out of Scala, the community that's at the harbor. And when you get in the back country of the island of Patmos, the wind lashes and blows across the island on a stormy day. And it's a barren place, a place that really you can picture John being isolated in. It was a quarry where rocks were dug and John, no doubt, even as an old man, worked in that quarry. When my wife and I and a group visited the island, we climbed up the mountain path and came to the fort. It was really thrilling to walk up these steps. And as you walk up the steps to think that John put his very feet on these stones as a prisoner, John, who saw Jesus, John, the most aged of the apostles, John was going through a period of trauma in his life. John was going through a period of difficulty in his life. John was an old man. It was the end of the first century. John was in his 90s, and now he was brought, brought as a prisoner to this place, to this barren island. John was alone here. And as John was alone on this island, he could look out from this fortress. He could look across the Aegean Sea. He thought, no doubt, about home. He thought about Ephesus, where he had previously been living. He thought about being exiled separated 
separated from his friends and from his family, John, an exile on the island of Patmos. But it was here on this island, in this rocky, barren place, it was here that God sent an angel visitor to John. It was here that John had the vision and he wrote that scroll that we call the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It was here in the trauma of his life, here in the loneliness of his life, here in the disappointment of his life, here in the agony of his life. It was here that the aged John wrote that book called Revelation. It was here that an angel visitor illuminated the island with the glory of God. Sometimes in the cave of our life. Sometimes in the darkness of our life. Sometimes in the disappointment of our life. It is then that God breaks through and illuminates the cave of our darkness with his presence. That happened to John. Here on the island of Patmos, John was visited by the angel. And as he was, the angel revealed to John the book of Revelation. And in Revelation 1, verse 1, we read, and wherever you are tonight, read it with us, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Now, there are people that say to me, Pastor Mark, I don't want to study the book of Revelation because it's all beasts and it's all symbols. All I want to do is study about Jesus. But the Bible says the revelation of who, everybody? The revelation of who? Jesus Christ. So when we study the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we're studying about Jesus. Now, where did Jesus get the book of Revelation from? Look at the text. The revelation of Jesus, which God gave him. So God gave to Jesus the revelation. Jesus sent it by his angel to John, and John wrote it down in a book. So when we study the book of Revelation, we're getting a message from God to Jesus via the angel to John. And John wrote it down. In that cave, when John wrote the book of Revelation, he was instructed by an angel to write down God's message for the last generation. It's understanding the heart of revelation that enables you to understand what's going on in the world today and what's going to happen in the future. Also, in the heart of revelation, in the heart of that scroll that John wrote in that cave on that island, we find the meaning of human suffering. We find an understanding of why the world is so bad. Because the book of Revelation reveals to us a titanic conflict between good and evil. It reveals to us a conflict between Christ and Satan. It introduces us to a theme called the great controversy. So come with me to the heart of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. Let's look through the eyes of John and let's look at what really is going on in the universe. Let's look at what's going on behind the scenes. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 7 to 9, we read, And war broke out where? Where did war break out? In heaven. Isn't that a strange place for war? You would not think that war would break out in heaven, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. 
The Bible goes on as it describes, so the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. The devil is a dragon because he destroys. He is a serpent because he deceives. And the Bible talks about this war, this cosmic conflict, this war that is more significant than any Star Wars trilogy or Star Wars drama. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. God draws the curtain aside. We look up into heaven and we see this cosmic conflict between good and evil. The Bible says that the dragon serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world was cast out of heaven into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Why is there so much suffering on earth? Why is there war on earth? because there is a war in the universe. The reason there's a conflict down here is because there was once a conflict up there. The reason there is trauma and problems and sickness and suffering and death is because we live on a planet in rebellion against God, a planet that's been separated from God. We're in the midst of this divine drama, in the midst of this cosmic conflict. But that leads us to a question, a very serious question. When these angels rebelled against God, when these angels were cast out of heaven, when this rebel angel challenged God's government, did God make this rebel angel? Why was there war in heaven? Where did this dragon, this Satan, actually come from? If God created this angel, if God created this Lucifer, isn't God ultimately responsible for the evil in the world? If God created Lucifer, did he create him with some fault in him? Did he create him with some sin in him when God created him? If God created this angel, can't you then say that God is ultimately responsible for all the sickness, suffering, and death because he created the one that caused it all? The Bible answers that question. Let's open the pages of Scripture. God in no way is responsible for evil. God did not create a demonic figure. God did not create Lucifer. When God created this beautiful angel, he created an angel that was a being of dazzling brightness, an angel that stood next to the very throne of God. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, the Bible describes the creation of this being of dazzling brightness. Ezekiel 28, verse 12 says, 
Read it with me, please. Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So did God create a demon when he created this being of dazzling brightness? Did he? No, the Bible says you were the what? Seal of what? Perfection. You were full of what? Wisdom and perfect in beauty. The Bible goes on describing Lucifer, and it describes him this way. You were the anointed cherub who covers, I established you. What does it mean you're the anointed cherub? A cherub is an angel. An anointed cherub is an angel that God chose. So that covers. Next to the throne of God, there were two covering angels. One of them was Lucifer. He was created as a being of dazzling brightness. He had no imperfection in him, and he was created perfect by God. In fact, that's what the book of Ezekiel says. You were on the holy mountain of God. This is the anointed cherub Lucifer. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. That's amidst God's glory, in God's presence. But the text goes on, and it says... You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. So Lucifer was created what by God, everybody? What was he created? Perfect. Till iniquity was found in you. So God did not create a demon. God created a perfect angel. How did this angel then become imperfect? How did this angel that was created to obey, how did he disobey? How did all that happen? The Bible tells us. That sin or rebellion was a choice on the part of this angel. Notice how the book of Ezekiel puts it. Ezekiel 28, verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted. God didn't corrupt him. God didn't create any fault in this angel. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So Lucifer was created as a beautiful, angelic being by God, a being of dazzling brightness, a being with no imperfection, a being with no flaws in him at all. But he made a choice to rebel against God. He corrupted his own wisdom against God. Now, why did God create Lucifer with the ability to make wrong choices? Why didn't God just create him to choose only to obey? I mean, why didn't God just make him that way? How would you like a child that was created so it had to obey? Or, even better yet, let's suppose that you are a parent. How many parents do I have here tonight? Let's suppose you had a child, young child, And you said, you know what? I'm having a little problem with the disobedience of my child. Having a little problem with my child picking up their room. So I know what I'm going to do. Let's suppose your child was made in such a way. Now, I'm supposing now that it had two screws in the top of its head. Every night you could unscrew those screws. This is a preacher's imagination. And you could flip the top of your kid's head up and you could put a computer chip in your kid's head. And every morning, because you programmed your child to do this on the computer, your child would wake up and say, Good morning, Mama. I will eat my oatmeal. Good morning, Mama. I will pick up my room. Not one thing out of place. Good morning, Mama. I will study my homework and get all straight A's. You programmed your child to do that. You programmed the kid on a computer. How many of you want children like that? (laughs) 
No, you don't want a child like that. You love that child. It gets up. It's eating its oatmeal for breakfast. It's dripping down its mouth. You've got your new dress on. You're getting ready to go to work. You've got your suit on. And your kid jumps on your lap and spills the cereal all over you. <laughs> then throws their arm around you and kisses you on the cheek and says, Mommy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. Right? You don't want some program child. You don't want some child that is computerized. And neither did God. God did not want some marionette. God doesn't have some angel up in heaven that pulls a string and says, Mark Finley's going in the wrong direction. He's going to pick up something to eat. He shouldn't pick up. Some angel pulls a string. Whoop! His arm goes out of there. You're walking in the wrong direction. You're like some marionette. Some angel pulls a string in heaven. You're going this way. And the angel goes, whoop! Don't go in there. Choo. God doesn't want robots, does he? God doesn't want marionettes, does he? But you see, if you have the power of choice... There's the possibility of making the wrong choice. But if you take away the power of choice, you take away the ability to love. Because love can never be coerced. Love never can be forced. And if you take away the ability to love, you take away the opportunity to be happy. And so God gave to Lucifer and all the angels of heaven the power of choice, knowing full well that they may make the wrong choice and would. But God would have a contingency plan that he would put into effect when wrong choices were made to redeem the human race that made those wrong choices. You see, God respects human freedom because the essence of what it means to be created in the image of God is to have the ability to choose. And that ability to choose to obey him and the ability to love him is the greatest joy in life. And so Satan challenged God's authority and Satan challenged God's government. And the Bible says in Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 14, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? This light bearer, this being of dazzling brightness, fell from heaven in a spectacular way. The Bible tells the story. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. It's a battle for the throne. A rebel angel has rebelled against God, and this rebel angel desires to sit upon God's throne. This rebel angel desires to rule the universe. This rebel angel says that God does not love his creatures. I will ascend into heaven. That is, I'll ascend higher than I am. He wanted an exalted position. I'll exalt my throne above the very stars of God, about the very angels of God. The Bible sweeps aside the curtain. We can look back in the mind of Lucifer we see the embryonic, the development of this great controversy between good and evil. We see this Star Wars conflict that has affected Earth. We see it outlined in the Bible and particularly in the book of Revelation. We see Isaiah describing that conflict this way. He says, Lucifer says, I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the farthest sides of the north. What's that all about? Every Jew knew that the mount of the congregation was Mount Sinai. That's where God met with Moses. That's where the Ten Commandment law was given. And Satan says, I'll sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will give the law. I do not want to obey. Here, he wants to exalt his throne. He wants to rule the universe. What we see going on now is a battle for the throne. It's a battle for the throne of the universe. And Satan ultimately wants to use planet Earth as a launching pad to conquer the whole universe. 
but he will fail because Jesus will triumph at last. I will sit in the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, the Bible says. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Lucifer says, I will be like the Most High. He says, I will reign, I will rule, I will take the universe is thrown. Lucifer really had three basic desires. Lucifer has three basic desires. You see, the center of sin is I. And every one of Lucifer's desires are based on I. I, I, I will exalt myself. I'll be above the throne of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will rule. The center of sin is I. Satan had a big ego. Rather than enjoying the presence and love and glory of God, Satan rebelled against God. He wanted a higher position. He wanted an exalted throne. He wanted rulership and dominance. These are the three things that Satan desired. He would go do anything to have that which he desired. He questioned God's authority. He began to sow disaffection among the angels of heaven. God doesn't really love us. God doesn't really care for us. God does not have our best interest in view. He began to raise doubts. He began to raise questions. Other angels began to ask those questions. Lucifer questioned God's fairness. Is God really fair? Why do we have to obey God? Wouldn't it be better if we had a society in heaven where everybody followed the dictates of their mind and the impulses of their own heart? Doubt was brought into heaven for the first time. Questions came into the universe. Questions about God's love. Questions about God's fairness. Questions about God's integrity. Questions about God's goodness. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Fenley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.